A ten hut soldiers, forward march. It's time for the church to march forward. You may be seated. And we've been doing a series on the soldier of Christ out of Second Timothy chapter two, verses three, four, five. The church has forgotten we're soldiers. The trumpet's about to sound. It's probably going to be a shofar. And you're going to hear, when the Lord descends from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead will be raised, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The time is coming. It's very near. America is falling rapidly, rapidly against Christianity, against conservative people. Listen, it's time. The trumpets sound. That means you're called to formation. You're, at the, you're standing at attention. And then the drill sergeant or the sergeant or the captain would yell, Charge! It's time for the church to charge. You know, that's what Jesus said at the cross. When he said, It is finished. And when he allowed the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to fall down on the church, he was saying, Charge! It's time for the church to charge into the world. Let me read you Daniel chapter uh, 7. My favorite, one of my favorite verses, uh, Bible, Bible verses in the Bible. This war of all ages is going on in this chapter, Daniel chapter 7. It's a prophecy. A war of all ages is going on, and it is still raging today. Here's what's happening. There was a horn. It was the devil. He's crying out and making pompous words against God and blasphemies against God. And here's what Daniel says. That horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words whose appearance was greater than the others. I was watching and that same horn was making war with the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And they, the time came that the saints were to possess the kingdom. We need to possess the kingdom, church. There needs to be about a billion and a half people listening to this message today because it's time. It's time to charge. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. You know what the Lord was saying? We are now the violent ones. Because God has ruled, the Father, the Ancient of Days, He has ruled in favor of the saints. And the verdict is, the saints are time for them to take possession of the kingdom. And it's time for us to do so. It's time for us to quit playing games and get out there and, and be in the war that we're in instead of pretending there is no war going on. Every day, people are dying. And every day, they're about ready to go over the waterfall into the abyss. And there's a few soldiers out there on a little rock in the middle of the, the, the river trying to pull them to safety. But for the most part, the church is playing bingo. The church is, is having luncheons and dinners and all inverting towards each other in the church instead of reaching out into a fallen and dark world that's out there. The church needs to get in its war posture. You know, it's messages like this that God uses to bring revival into the land. Jonathan Edwards' message you know, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God really got everybody's attention. By the time it was all over, over half of Boston was saved. It's time to get the church's attention. And that's what the Lord is trying to do here. He's trying to tell you, a ten-hut soldier, you're a soldier of Christ. Quit playing games. Quit playing peeling potatoes and get out there and do the work you were called to do. Put your arms in your position, your arms, your sword, your dagger, your helmet of salvation, your shield of faith. That's what it is. 
now that I op now that I did that opening, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we come before you, Lord. Father, I pray that you open our hearts, our eyes, our ears to what the Holy Spirit is going to say to us today through your word. Because, Lord, I always use your word. Your word is what accomplishes what you set it forth to do. So, Lord, today, Lord, open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes. And, Lord, with, with all that done, it's, it's not any good unless we apply it to our life. So help us to apply what we hear today to our life. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the key verse today, 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Or 1 through nine. I'm going to read that to you, but Daniel 7, verse 20b to 22 is the other one. But even, even in that same chapter of Daniel, let me read the 20, 20, uh, 27th verse. We're still, the, the Lord's on the throne, then the sovereign, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole earth will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and his dominions will serve and obey him. And the dominions will serve and obey him. It's time. It's time the church move forward. That's all there is to it. I'm going to give you an example out of Second Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through through nine and I'm going to read from the the uh, new King James second Kings take your Bibles out and follow along it's always good that you you uh, take notes read along with the Bible because you know if you hear it you're using one sense if you're looking at it you're using the second sense and if you're taking notes it just compounds what you're learning and what you're hearing. Second Kings. Second Kings is an awesome book. A lot going on in Second Kings. But here's chapter 7 and verse 1 through 9. Let me give you a little rundown. The Syrian army is invading Samaria. They are about to overtake it. They're starving the people out. That's part of warfare, you know. You cut off the water supply. You cut off the, the communications. You cut off the food supply. So if your city doesn't have any uh, running water, you're going to die of thirst. Most cities are built uh, where there's a lot of water so that you can drink and live. So here's it is. Elisha. The prophet. This is not Elijah. This is Elisha. And Elisha, the prophet, called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, "Get yourself ready. Take this flask. I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter. Sorry. I'm reading chapter nine. I wonder what's going on here." And Elisha said, "Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord: Tomorrow, about this time, a sheath of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two she sheets." of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer whose hand was the king leaned on answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this be done? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will if we if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Assyrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Then they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Assyrians, and they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp. To their surprise, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Assyrians to hear the noise of chariots and, 
noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothings and went and hid themselves. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried away from there also and went and hid themselves. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we have remained silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Key verse in that passage is verse 9. This is a day of good news. We are not doing right if we remain silent. The church is not doing right if we remain silent. I'm not saying everybody isn't out there. We got Brett, our missionary to Brazil, and his wife's in the back room right now teaching the kids. Listen, we're, you know, they're reaching out. Last report, I heard 30,000 people got saved in Africa, Tanzania, Africa. You know what? Brett, Brett went all out for this. He spent three, three months, three and a half months up in Orlando training for this. He spent seven years in Brazil as a missionary training for this. And now God has him in Africa with another team over there, one team out of five, leading 30,000 people to the Lord, most of them Muslims. You know what? Brett hasn't stopped. For the most part, a lot of the church has. Even when COVID hit America, the churches backed off of the supporting their missionaries. What a disgrace. We don't buy, you know, you support them now. You, the, the work goes on. The gospel's still out there. We're not doing right if we keep silent. We have the antidote for eternal death. If your good friend would be getting bitten with a viper and you have the antidote in your pocket, would you be doing right? No. We have the antidote for the, for the eternal death of, of the souls of men. This is a good illustration of that. People are going to die in Samaria. The four leprous men are, they're there like, Hey, we got all this stuff. We can we can load. We can go to the third, fourth, tenth tent. We can bring, get out more silver. We can get out more gold. We can get more clothing, more royal clothing. But we could get really rich off of this. But we wouldn't be doing right because these people are dying, physically dying of starvation. And these guys have the antidote. They have uh, the Assyrian army, which was immense, coming against. Samaria, and they were all gone. There was tent after tent after tent, enough for everybody in Samaria to get rich. But they finally used common sense, and they said, we're not doing right. We better go tell the king of Israel, because when he finds out that we didn't let him know, what good's our silver? What good's our gold? What good's fine clothing? What does it profit, profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? We have the antidote, church, and we need to, to tell the world. I like Don Francisco's song, I Gotta Tell Somebody. You know, he's there, his, the Lord Jesus just healed his daughter. She was dead. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody. But this guy couldn't keep quiet. Jesus told us to go and tell the whole world and make disciples, and we stay silent. This guy was told to stay silent, and he couldn't stop. 
After his daughter was raised from the dead by Jesus, he had to tell everybody. And he went out and told everybody he knew. Listen, we, have, we know that Jesus is risen from the dead. We got to tell somebody. We got to tell them all who they are, what, what, we, what we have, the antidote for sin. This is a day of good news. It's a day of good news, and we just keep silent. You know what Romans 1.16 says? Well, actually, it was Paul that said it. And Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of salvation for all who believe, even to those who believe in his name. And then he said, go, therefore, come, let us go and tell. You know, we did our Easter service here. That was a passage I used, Matthew 28. And verse 6 and 7, the angel stood at the, uh, on the tombstone or in the tomb, and he, he was talking to the women that came, and he says, go and tell the disciples that he, he is risen. Go and tell. And that's our same commission today. The Lord gave it to us in Matthew chapter 28, and, Acts cha- and, and Mark chapter 16, and Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and other places in the Scriptures. Luke 24, he told us to go and tell, and we remain silent. Uh, Some of us can't go to Tanzania, Africa. Some of us can't go to Brazil. Some of us can't go to Japan. But you can support that, those missions, by giving to a missionary or giving to a church that supports missionaries. And tell your pastors, don't cut out the missionaries' food. How would you like to be go on vacation and, you know, you've been serving seven years in, in a country and then, uh, you know, as a missionary and then you come home for a furlough and all the churches pull to withdraw their money. It'd be like you having a job that you've been in for seven years and they say, you can go on vacation, but I'm not paying you. Not right. It's not right. Elisha said to the the captain that was there, tomorrow at this time, you'll see the windows of heaven open up. But you won't get to eat of it because he didn't have faith. He didn't have faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says, The gospel was preached to them just like us, but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. This guy had no faith. Even if God opened up the windows of heaven, this couldn't be done. In other words, God isn't big enough. When you know God is big enough. This soldier doubted. He was a soldier. The king depended on him, the king of Samaria. The consequence of his doubt cost his very life. The four leprous men, they came to the conclusion, rightfully so, through common sense, well, listen, if we stay outside the city because we're lepers, we're going to die here. If we go into the city, we're going to die there. If we go to the Sumerian camp, maybe they'll just feed us. At least they have one chance of hope. So they took it, and they went to the Sumerian camp, only to find out there was no one there. So what did they do? They were starving too. So they ate, they drank, they got rich. They took the silver, the gold, the fine clothing. They they buried it somewhere so that they would know where to get it. We're doing wrong if we don't share the good news. you got to tell somebody. We're not doing right. This is a day of, of uh, good news. It's a day of good news. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus is written according to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 15 verse 1 through 3 listen it's a day of good news i'm glad somebody told me i'll bet you're glad somebody told you in this this study that we've been doing in this study we started out with about face 
That's your first step. You're a Christian soldier. Jesus said, I want you, not Uncle Sam this time. I want you. And you responded. And you enlisted in the army of God. And what did he tell you to do? About face. That means repent. Repent and do the things that you did, things that were right. You were headed down the world's way, and you, he says about face, and you turn around and go in his direction. Then we were told we, we have to go through basic training as an army where we're trained how to use our weapons. Let me grab a couple of weapons here while, while we're here. I should have had these out, but I forgot. This is the third week in a row I forgot. <laughs> Listen, you're supposed to have your weapons with you. At basic training, you were trained how to use this to shield yourself. You were trained to how to use this to protect yourself. Jesus said in the garden, he went like this, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You were trained, soldier. You might be saved 45 years. But do you handle the sword right? Did you go through basic training? Did you get it done? Did you do the work that the Lord's been calling you to do? Not only that, you have a little dagger too that's on your belt of truth. A little 18-inch dagger. Every swordsman has it. You have little jabs you can throw at the, uh, the devil and, and conquer him with the word of God. You were trained to do this, but are you doing it? as a soldier. It's called discipleship. Then we were called to attention, which is the way this message started today. The trumpet sound. The dead in Christ are about to rise. Jesus is in the throne in heaven. I, if, if he doesn't know when he's coming back, I believe when he did, when he died, when he was on earth, he didn't know that day, but now he's in heaven. I believe he does know that day he's coming back. He ain't going to tell you. He ain't going to tell me. I can picture him in heaven. Daddy, Daddy, can I go get my bride now? Can I go get her? It's reveille time. The shofar's about to blow. It's a call to attention. It's a time for the church to wake up. It's a time for the church to press on and press forward. God ruled in favor of the saints. Chapter 7 of Daniel is a picture of, of a war that's going on forever. And here comes the Son of Man on a cloud, Jesus, up to the Ancient of Days. And that's when God rules the verdict. Is he rules in favor of the saints and it's time for us to possess the kingdom. These days are upon us. They have been upon us since Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into, the, into Pentecost, which we did last week. And you received the power of the living God. Then you had your specialty training, whatever it is, whether you're a paratrooper or an artillery guy or a grunt or a, or a frontline soldier or in communications. You've been there. Then there, you know, there you've been told to forward march. God doesn't want you to stay inside the stronghold. This is a stronghold. The church is a stronghold. The prophet Gad went up to David. David was hanging out in the stronghold. He said, get out of the stronghold, David. Get out to war where you're supposed to be. And that's what he's saying to us today. Get out to war, soldier. You're soldiers of Christ. Get out to war. The battle's outside the church, not in the church. At least it shouldn't be. And while you're at it, soldier, you have to guard yourself. You have to guard your buddies. You have to guard your heart. You have to be watchful at all times. You have to guard your soul. You have to make sure the flame in your heart does not go out. It does not get extinguished. Flame needs oxygen, and oxygen comes from the Holy Spirit because he's the wind. I think it's pneuma in the Hebrew, which means wind. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The day you got saved, when the revelatory knowledge fall upon you, and you ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, like Mark, well, Matthew 3.11, when John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Where's the fire? I'd like to be on fire up here every time I'm up here. Hopefully it'll catch 
and you'll go out and burn somebody else around. They'll come and flock into this church. But we've been here seven years, and we're holding our own. Where's the fire? We have to have, you're an empowered soldier. You have the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet are shod with the pre- preparation of the gospel of peace. I told you when I was in Vietnam, I was issued about two or three pairs of boots and a dozen pairs of socks. Best you got to take care of your feet. If the enemy takes out your feet, you're done. You aren't a good soldier at that point. You can't maneuver. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life by using all the gifts. And today is your orders. Your orders today, and that's our message today, is is, uh, to charge. A ten-hut charge, soldier. Charge into this wicked world and bring them the truth of the gospel of Christ. That's what we need to do. And I'm not angry, I'm passionate. It's a day of good news, and the church keeps quiet. They're more and more interested in, in making money, getting more gold and silver, and precious clothes, and Ferraris, and condos on the French Riviera. Wake up, it isn't about that. And some of us here don't have that problem. <laughs> you know, but our orders are to go. Here's what Jesus said. I remember I told you Easter Sunday, Matthew 28, 6 and 7, the angel says, come and see and then go and tell. Come and see. Come. See, Jesus is risen. Matthew 28, Jesus said it himself. He said, go therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say stay in the stronghold. He said go. Because you've got to get out of the stronghold. The church is a stronghold. No, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. You could wear a T-shirt with Jesus on it or, or a hat that says anything so they can promote a conversation. Jim, he's on, he's on tour, you know, traveling through the U.S. with... Uh, preaching the gospel who just left last week jim has a shirt it says all it says is got jesus he said he gets more response out of that shirt than anything just got jesus and it can start a witnessing campaign mark 16 15 says you know go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name you'll cast out demons, you'll speak with new tongues, you'll drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt you. You shall pick up, you shall put down serpents, because that word in Greek means pick up, also means put down. I've never seen anybody, I don't think a pastor should pick up a serpent. I think he should put down the serpent, because that's what, if you interpret Scripture by Scripture, demons are always put under your feet, not in your hands. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Luke 24, you know, uh, we're told to witness. Behold, I am sending forth my promise of the Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city and be clothed with the power from on high. That repentance and forgiveness would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. This is our command. Every soldier has this command. If you're a believer, you have this command. You might not be a Billy Graham, but you, you, he who was an evangelist, you are to evangelize one way or the other. Could be your mother, your dad, your sister, your brother, your children. Could be your neighbor. Could be an enemy. Could be your, your colleagues at work. The consequence the, the, these men came up with was if we wait until morning, it will be too late. When that trumpet sounds, church, it's too late. When you heard that shofar go, I told Lewis to blow that shofar. When that shofar goes off, then the dead in Christ are going to be raised. And we who are alive and remain will be raised up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And thus will ever be with him. Then tribulation is going to blast off here on this earth. 
uh, the the uh, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out because all the believers are gone, and He's the one that holds back the evil at this point in the world. It's going all hell is going to break loose on earth, as you well know. If you wait until morning light, it's too late to preach. Your mother and dad might have to go through tribulation. Your sisters, your children, your brothers might have to go through tribulation. It's too late. They know that punishment will come upon them. They know that the king of Samaria is counting on them. Do you know, church, that the king of kings is counting on us? The king of kings is counting on us, me and you. Why, why didn't he give this job to the angels? The world would have been repentant in about 24 hours. He gave that charge to us. And we're really not carrying it out to the greatest extreme. Some are, and I'm certainly glad they are. Here's what Joel says, chapter 3, verse 9. Proclaim among the nations, prepare for war. Wake up, you mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there. O Lord, let the nations be weakened. And come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. This is the sickle. Put in the sickle, the harvest is ripe. Ripe. Come on down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near, church. I am appalled and upset at what's been going on in the, and even in the political world the last year, year and a half. Unbelievable. Actually, four years. Unbelievable the, the downward spiral of the United States of America. not good listen Jesus beat your Jesus beat your uh, plow shares into swords this sword we the saints of God fight with the not carnal weapons but but spiritual weapons this is a word of God the sword is the word of God you take that sword and it it's you know and it's like a plowshare it's going to plow through the, the this world and win people over to Christ. We're talking about Joel's talking about a physical war here but he's also talking about a harvest being ripe. He's also talking about the spiritual side of this. He's telling you to get your sword sharped. Get down to the valley of Jehoshaphat which is Armageddon's Valley, by the way. Multitudes, multitudes. There's seven and a half billion people on the face of the earth. And they're in the valley of the decision. They have to make a yes or a no towards Jesus Christ, Him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. They have to make that decision. Joel tells us to proclaim it among the nations. That's our job. We're to prepare for war. You're a soldier. You've been trained for war, spiritual war. You're to wake up. The light has come. Jesus was the light of the world. He has already come. We are little lights in the world that reflect His light. He says, don't hide it under a bushel. Get out there and tell people. The night is coming, Jesus told us in John chapter 9, verse 4. He said, the night is coming and nobody's going to be able to work. What happens after we're out of here? Or some nations, the night has already taken place. For a Christian, I got in the back, back table in the, in the kitchen there. You'll see magazines on the coffee table about the, the, uh, the voice of the martyrs. These people, they got, if you look at a picture of them, they got a black thing over her face so that you can't see them, so that the Muslims don't kill them. 
this is happening already. Darkness is already in a lot of countries, and it's headed for America right now. And we need to wake up. The darkness is here. Jesus is saying night is coming, and when that night comes, everything's going to have to move underground. But the devil always cuts his throat anyhow, because we know from experience and history tells us when the church goes underground, it grows stronger and stronger and stronger and and picks up quantity of people too. So he cuts his own throat by doing that because God's in charge, not the devil. The night's coming and we got to be prepared for it. No longer are these instruments that Joel was talking about steel. They're, They're spiritual weapons. And you're told how to use those weapons. God's weapons bring life. Worldly weapons bring death. This sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, will bring life to somebody that's stabbed by it. You know what I mean. This sword of the Spirit gets sharper and sharper every time you use it. Because you'll be able to quote verses like this. Boom, boom, boom. Devil comes at you, you'll be able to you know, bring up a verse. No weapon formed against me, devil is going to prosper. And if you accuse me in judgment, I have the authority to condemn you. This is my inheritance and my justifications in the Lord. Who do you think you are? Get to the pit and get out of here. Resist the devil, submit to God, and he'll flee to you from you. This is where the church ought to be, but they aren't. Here's what Ephesians 6, and you, you know the chapter well. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not, listen church, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when your brother gets in your face, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're wrestling against the demonic forces of wickedness that is behind it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto yourself the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm therefore, having shod your loins with truth, and having done the breastplate of righteousness, and your Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all power and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Look at eight. We got eight weapons here. You got the sword, the Lord, you got the... The uh, belt of truth, you got the breastplate of righteousness, you got the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the, the shield of faith, you got prayer, and you got, and you have, uh, you have to be watching at all times. These are spiritual weapons, and you, as a marching forth soldier, has been called to charge against this world, have to use these weapons and use them mightily as you go forth. See, the church has forgotten. I'm serious. I love the song, the lyrics of the song of, of uh, Keith Green again. It's called Asleep in the Light. Let me quote some of it. Do you see? Do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, church? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? He cries, and he weeps, and he bleeds, and he cares for their needs, but you just lay back, church, and keep soaking it in. Can't you see that such sin? He brings people to your door. And you just turn them away as you smile and say, God bless you, be at peace, and all of heaven just weeps because they came to your door and you just left them on the street. My goodness. This is where the church is. It's not about you, church. 
It's about Jesus. All the churches today are offering self-helps. It isn't about you. Your focus needs to be refocused. You focus in on this right here. I'm not saying there aren't needs out there. But your focus needs to be first on the Lord. You gotta guard your heart. You gotta you put others first. Do not look out only for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. That's what the Lord is saying. But the world's sleeping in the dark, and the church just can't fight because we're asleep in the light. What's happened to us? What's happened to us? I can't go. If I can't go, I can support the go of people that will go. I know that come November, we're going to try to do another trip to Brazil. Some of you might want to go. Some of you might want to support it. It's going to be about the middle or end of, of November, I believe, when Brett comes back. I don't know if I'm going to go this time. Last time I went, I was 68 years old. That was two years ago, three years ago. Could I do it? I think so. Thank you, Lord. I, I feel strong. We'll see. Soldiers of Christ positioned themselves for, for um, victory. You already have victory. We're not losers. We're, we're ambassadors of Christ. We're overcomers in Christ. Good soldiers position themselves for victory. They stand firm. A good soldier picks himself up when they're in defeat when they're defeated. That's what we do. Let me look, let me show you some of this. These are these are actual war soldiers. This is Sergeant Alvin York. He was in World War I. York replied, York, York took so many um, uh, what can I say, enemies, captive, that they used to call him, they used to say that he captured the entire German army. He only captured 132 prisoners. He said, I didn't capture the whole 132 prisoners. How would you like to capture 132 souls for Jesus? How would you like to do that? Wouldn't that be cool? He got the Medal of Honor. Sergeant York, World War I. Captain Joe Ronnie Hooper, Vietnam. He did three tours of Vietnam. He is credited with 115 firm kills because he didn't retreat including 22 that came on a single day in the Tet Offensive in 1968. He was awarded the Medal of Honor and a large description. When you, when an enemy approaches you, does he see the medals that you're wearing? You know, medals of valor, medals of courage. They see a purple heart where you're willing to die for Jesus. Everybody knows this guy. Major Audie Murphy. Remember him? He died in 1971. He was only like 40 some years old. He was only 5 foot 5 inches tall from Texas. He got the Military Combat Award for Valor, including the Medal of Honor for his indomitable, courageous, and ref who refuses to give an inch of ground in the Battle of Horitz, France. At the age of 19, Murphy single-handedly held off an entire company of German soldiers for an hour and led a successful counterattack while wounded and out of ammunition. He is credited with 240 enemy kills and was wounded three times in nine major campaigns. 
Audie Murphy became a movie star, as you well know, his uh, over 30 movies, and the one that is, he plays his own self in the movie called To Hell and Back. Audie Murphy. These guys weren't spiritual soldiers. They were carnal soldiers, but they displayed all the, all the, the valor and the courage that every Christian soldier should possess. The righteous man falls seven times but rises again, says the Scripture. The righteous will never be forsaken, says the Scriptures. The righteous could be hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed and perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, carrying about in their body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be manifested to our body and to others. These kind of soldiers know the army handbook. They meditated on it. They ate it. They heard it. They studied it. They growed in it. And they fell in love with the United States of America. Our job is to read the Word of God. Every day, says Jeremiah. I'm sorry, Moses in Deuteronomy. We're to meditate on it, says Joshua. We are to eat the Word of God, Jeremiah said. Thy Word was found, and I did, did eat it, and it became the joy and the delight of my heart. Does it become the joy and the delight of your heart? Or are you saying, oh man, I, how much longer do I got to read here today? Keep my schedule up, you know, make sure I read the Bible in one year. You don't read fast and pass it all up. I showed that big time on Thursday night. You're to hear the Word of God by coming to church, listen to TV, let's turn on the radio. Good pastors out there, there's a bunch of them. You got to study the Word of God yourself. I tell everybody, I've read the Bible through many times in different versions. I've studied through it. I've taught through it. Okay? But I want to tell you something. Um, I still don't know it all. I told my wife just last week, the more I study, the less I know. It's like, man, you see so much more beauty in it. If you study it, you're going to see things you don't know. I showed you on Thursday night. Uh, in Genesis chapter 24, I showed you a typology of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride of Christ by Abraham, Isaac, Eleazar, and Rebekah. I showed you a beautiful picture that God was painting of the coming Messiah and the Bride of Christ. Beautiful pictures. That's how you get, get in study, you know, studying the Word of God like that. And then you grow. Peter tells us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. A lot of us can't become Christians, and then we're just, we're happy, we're saved, we're going to heaven, but you're asleep in the light. Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? And then, instead of falling in love, these soldiers, instead of falling in love with the United States of America, you fall in love with Jesus Christ the king of kings, the one who died for your sins. That's our job. Jesus told the church, I think it was Church of Ephesus, he said, I have this against you. You, you lost your first love. How, how long have you been saved, church? A week? A year? 50 years? Are you still in love with Jesus? Or did we shrink back? Did that flame go out? Start reading your Bible. Start getting to church. Start listening to messages. Start caring about the lost. God's soldiers defend their ground. Audie Murphy defended ground. He was out of ammunition. And he was wounded. Are you wounded and still trying to gain for Jesus? It's not about you. It's about Jesus. One thing about the soldier of Christ, he cannot die. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Who who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
hey, you might die physically. Everybody's going to unless they're, you're raptured out of here. But he's talking about eternal death. You can't die. The devil can't kill you. Jesus has the keys to hell and death, Revelation 117. The soldier, God's soldiers know their enemy. They take back what the devil stole off of them. They know their flaws, and they try to overcome, be overcomer in that flaw. The soldier, God's soldiers refuse to be overcome. They're more than conquerors. You're a, you're a child of God. You're an ambassador of Lord Jesus Christ. A high-ranking political official, official living in a foreign land, testifying of their homeland. We're an ambassador in this world. You don't belong to this world. You are called out of this world. You're no longer part of this world. You'll die in this world if you try to live a Christian life by the way the world does. You got to live the Christian life the way God wants you to. You need to war against the flesh by the spirit that's within you. You're an overcomer in Christ. There's no white flag for men like these. There's no white flag for a Christian. There's no white flag. Jesus already won the battle. You might have lost the skimmer skirmish, but Jesus won the battle, as I always tell you. God's soldiers seek first His kingdom. We aren't down here seeking gold and silver and, and like these, these lepers, gold and silver and, and precious clothing. We're down here seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And Jesus said, all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. A good soldier is hungry for God, growing in discipline. He's teachable. He's willing to serve. He's trustworthy, responsible. He's looking to share with people. He maintains God as a priority. He's submissive to authority. That's the authority of Christ. He's not easily discouraged. He does all things well. And he is a humble servant, uh, yet daring in faith. Don't let humility fool you. Humility is just power under control. David had conquering faith. You as a Christian, a soldier of Christ, should have conquering faith. Let me give you some things about David. David, how, how was he a conqueror? Number one, he always recounted prior victories. When he was faith with Goliath, he remembered the prior victories, the lion that he slew and the bear that he slew to try to steal one of his daddy's sheep. This Goliath was out there making obscenities against blasphemy as against the God of Israel. And David said, oh, no, you don't. He even, told, he even told King Saul, he said, I slew the lion, I slew the bear, and this Philistine, I don't care how big he is, he's going to fall. Always recounts prior victories. So when you're down and out, remember the victories. Remember the communion we took today. That was a big victory. It always reexamines and reaffirms proper motive. David didn't want to get rich. He didn't want Saul's daughter for a wife. He wanted that Philistine that was blaspheming God to be slayed. Here's what he said, 1 Samuel 17, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know what? Who is the devil that he's going to defile the, defy the church of the living God? Who is he? There's a passage in the scriptures that say when the devil's thrown into the lake of fire, the people are going to say, is that the man that troubled the nations? He's a wimp. He was crushed at Calvary. It always rejects discouraging words. Remember David's brother? You came down here to look at this, to see part of the war. You, 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 you go back and guard your daddy's sheep. Your little sheep that daddy put you in charge of. He didn't go back. He fought Goliath. He didn't retreat. He didn't wave a white flag to his brother. He, he marched straight into battle. Number four, conquering soldier always gives a positive confession. Goliath said, I'm going to feed you to the, how did he say it? I'm gonna, how did he say it? 
David said, uh, the, the Goliath wanted to defeat David. Here's what David said. He said, he, he gives a positive confection. He said, you come to me with a sword and a shield and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Huh? How's that for, for a positive confession? Hey, Satan. Hey, devil. I come against you in the name of the God of, uh, the God of Israel. The God of the Lord God, the Lord of hosts, the ones that you're taunting his name. I am a saint to the Most High God. Go in Jesus' name. Number five, conquering faith always remembers the God's promises. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who saves your body from the pit, and heals all your diseases. Those are things you can claim. You deliver your soul, heal all your diseases, and, and forgive your sin. Unbelievable. Always remembers God's promises. God said, if you train up a child in, in Jesus, then when he's old, he won't depart from it. And God says to honor your father and your mother and your days will be long upon the earth. You can count on it. Number six and last one. A conquering soldier always reckons the victory before the battle's won. That's called faith. Before your battle's won. Jesus, remember, Jesus won the war. It's recorded in Daniel chapter 7. It's recorded all through the Bible, really. It's recorded. The battle's won. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give your the bodies of the army of the Philistines, and not just Goliath, the whole army of the Philistines, to this day to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does deliver by does not deliver by the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hands. The battle's won. It's done already, church. Accept it and believe it. I hope that motivated us a little bit. You're a saint. You're a saint. And God ruled in favor of the saints. And he told you it's time to possess the kingdom. When I became a Christian, God told me, he actually gave me a rhema word, which was actually, t to me specifically, a scripture, Acts 16.31. I was drawn out of a family that had no Christianity. We were, we were Catholics, but you know, we weren't good Catholics. But the Lord said to me, if you believe me, he says, if you do, I will save your entire household. And I believed it. My children got saved. My wife got saved. My mother got saved. My sister got saved. My dad got saved. My brother-in-law got saved. My uncle got saved. I found out a couple of my Christians got saved, not through, through anything I've done, but she got, they got saved. He honored that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. But that was spoken directly to me. I'm not saying go do it for yours if God speaks it to your heart and you know it's him. Believe it. He said it. That settles it. God's not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. If he has spoken, he will do it. And I just held him to his word, and he did exactly what he told, he told me. So you do the same. Use your sword. Use your spirit. Don't forget, you have a dagger. Did you ever watch that movie, Robin Hood? Where Robin Hood's fighting against the, the, uh, the uh, sheriff of Nottingham? And, he, you know, the Nottingham guy, was, he was wild and very straightforward, swinging that sword all over the place, and then Robin Hood's trying to stay away from it, 
But, and you know, finally got to the point where he was so wild with a sword, Robin Hood's sword broke, and he ended up in the window, looking out the window, and the, here comes the sheriff of Nottingham to kill him. And, and what did he do? He pulled his dagger out and went, Poof! and poor sheriff of Nottingham, it was him that died. When the devil's that close to you, pull out your, your dagger, which is the word of God, and slay him with it and remind him, Jesus won the battle. It's over. The war's won. You're a soldier of Christ. Get out there into the battle. If you can't go, support it. And there will be rewards in heaven for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You called us as a soldier. Father, help us to help us to be courageous soldiers, loving you and loving your holy word and going into this world and winning souls to you. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise forever. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.